Good evening and welcome to Life School with Reverend Kojo. Y'all, we've got a show and this show is going to be wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I'm excited about it today. We're talking about authenticity deficit disorder. Yes, you heard right. Authenticity deficit order. Not just regular, not ADD, not attention deficit disorder, but authenticity deficit disorder. Why? Why? Well, because the problem is there are adults walking around that are not comfortable in our in their own skin. And so if we have adults walking around that are not comfortable in their own skin, that, mean that means that we have children walking around that are not comfortable in their own skin. And they're being taught that being comfortable in their own skin is a problem. One of the things that I have long had a problem with is that young people will go around and, um, and are taught that white people and black people have to behave in a certain manner. And young black kids are often taught, why do you talk white? Growing up, I got that all the time because I knew proper uh, b- verb conjugation. Why do you talk white? Uh, and it wasn't a matter of talking white. I came from a household where we spoke proper English. Um, we, we knew the difference between be and we, um, and the, whether you say be or is, or I, or we, or all of these things, I knew the difference between there, there, and there. And I knew the difference between where, were, and where, and it was, it was nothing that was said that we were better than anybody, but my parents spoke proper English enough that they required of it of us. And so this whole idea that you have to, in order to be able to communicate, uh, along with your culture, you have to speak and conjugate words inappropriately, or you have to use words that are seen as derogatory to other groups, is a fallacy. But we have taught people so long that that is their lot and that is the requirement of them that they miss this idea that being different is not just okay, it's, it ought to be the norm. That if you are different, you are living out purpose. If you are different, you're being, you're being, doing, and, and exercising something that is completely different. And different is a blessing. You know, I, I would be willing to bet that if I had the option to be average Joe or Einstein, I'm going to choose Einstein. If I have the choice to be the person on the corner or to be Oprah, I'm going to choose Oprah. If I can be just somebody that blends in or I can be the next Steve Harvey, well, gosh darn it, give me a bald head and a big mustache, I'm going to go for that because different is what sets you apart. I'm not trying to be a, a duplicate. You know, they I say it all the time to my students and I say it all the time to my kids at the church, but flattery is indeed the highest, I'm sorry, imitation is indeed the highest form of flattery, period, point blank. If somebody takes the time to imitate what you're doing, that means that they adore, like, or hold in high regard what you are and who you are and what you're doing. But when we take it upon ourselves not to do these things, not to be ourselves, not to be okay, that we have some idiosyncrasies that do not match the masses, and we try to hide and suppress these things, we are saying to God, oh, well, you made a mistake on me, so I'm going to correct your mistake. You made a mistake on me, so I'm going to step out here and I'm going to try to assimilate into culture. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. He took his time making you and knitting you together. Why in the world would you take your time, take your effort, take your talents and gifts and hide them and try to create some talents that belong to somebody else? Everybody is not going to be the NFL star. 
Everybody is not going to be LeBron James or Steph Curry. Everybody is not going to be Oprah. Everybody cannot be Steve Harvey. You're not going to be Jay-Z. Everybody can't be Beyonce, but you can be you. You know, I have I have a lot of things that are going for me, but there are some things that I cannot do. I cannot bake. And I know these things, and I, I make an attempt at it every now and then, but it seems overwhelmingly over and over again that it is not one of those strong suits for me. So what do I do? I stay away from it. And I cling to people who are good at it, and I exercise my strengths because my strengths are, are strong. I can do wonderful things when I'm teaching a class or I'm preaching the word, when I'm writing a book, when I'm sitting out here developing some land, when I'm out here trying to submerge you in adventure. Oh, I'm great. You call me and we're going to have a wonderful time. Even when I'm trying to woo somebody, I'm great at that on a good day. But if you ask me to go bake something, it's a fail. Not because I'm a terrible person or that I, I just don't belong here. It's because I tried to step in a place that I didn't belong. And instead of trying to stay there, I went back where I, I did belong and I excelled. I went further than anybody else could go. I did more than others could do because it was a difference. See, one thing that has, has gotten me is that we all have different capacities for different things. And when we don't realize that our capacity is not the same as everybody else's, we feel as if we're at a deficit or something is wrong with us. Or when we realize that, but when we realize that we have a capacity that is unique, we can tap into using the capacity that God has given us. What do you mean, Reverend? What I mean is this. People are always saying, you do too much, you do too much, you do too much. And I try to relax. But the reality is that in some areas, I have a capacity to do much more. So let's look at it like this. Let's say for, uh, for working and serving, I have a capacity of a gallon. And the average person has a, a, a mug's worth, a coffee mug's worth. And so for what will fit in my gallon at half staff, you would be overflowing. How in the world do you do all of this? And meanwhile, I'm sitting there looking like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not accomplishing a thing. And as I'm sitting there thinking that I haven't accomplished anything, I've, I'm looking for more things to take on. And you're readily staring, yelling at me and telling me, stop, stop, stop. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. And in reality, I'm not doing enough for me. But on the same side of that thing, I'm not qualified to go try to bake anybody anything. I'm not qualified to go and try to tell you what makeup to put on. So my capacity for those things is so minuscule that even one portion of what you find normal would not fit into me. On the flip side of things, when it comes to getting things tailored and going into to fashion on that end in, in my arena, looking at suits and things like that, oh, I'm all here for it, all ears. I know about it. I can think about it. I can talk about it all day long. I can tell you the difference between the winter knot and, and the half winter. I can tell you the, 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 uh, the difference between an oriental knot and a bow tie. I can tell you that you can try to make a bow tie out of a full tie, but that bad boy is not going to look good. I can tell you why a, 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 a self-tie looks better than a pre-tie bow tie. I can tell you why you would want to wear an ascot and why I love ascots. I can tell you why you would, I prefer to wear a slim fit and tailor fit over a traditional fit. I can tell you why I, as a short person, probably shouldn't wear cuffs, but I love to wear cuffs. And so I, I get cuffs anyway, even if they make me look shorter than what I am, even though I'm not five feet tall, I can tell you these things because these are things that I have a high capacity for. And these are the things that I have been taught I need to suppress because they're not normal. 
And when they're not normal, people perceive it as an error error uh, error place or work location and in work areas we ought to hide those things until they can look like everybody else's but i gave news to you here is the news news flash wake up here it is if you look like everybody else what makes you think you're going to surpass everybody else if you have the same tools as everybody else what makes you think that you can get further than everybody else sure willpower will take you a little further uh, persistence will take you a little further. But in reality, in reality, the differences we have make us different. The things that sit different with us, the things that will carry us the furthest are the things that God put in you that he didn't put in anybody else. And those are the things you must embrace. Those are the things you must get excited about. Those are the things you hold on and keep near and dear to you because God put them in you for a reason. Why? Because what fun is it to have a whole bunch of clones walking around? I understand this idea that, oh, we want clones and we want to move forward in technology. But, hey, there is something beautiful about having some people that don't look like you, that don't sound like you, people who are not from where you're from, people who do not think the same way you think. You know, it's funny to me. I have, uh, I've, I have this interest in this person. And we have similarities, but there are some things about each one of us, both of us, that I don't get. My thinking does not align. And there are moments where I, my thinking does not align that new life is, is um, spread on my life. I get, I get a whole new idea and outlook on these things because I've conjoined myself with this person. And so by conjoining myself with this person and joining my thinking with this person, I get a whole new breath of life, whole new understanding. And by getting a new understanding, I can see the world clearer and I can see it through different lens. My perception changes. And that's not to say that I need to become like that person, but that's to say that in me embracing their thought process and pairing it with my own, I can see this thing we call the world through a brand new clearer lens. So where I may have been seeing at 1020 vision, now I can see vision at 2020 vision. And I can see both sides of the track. And if we do not embrace the fact that we are different and that somebody else is different and that together we can be better, we lose something. I believe it's in Ecclesiastes that the Bible says that two are better than one. Uh, and it, it says two are better than one. And it goes on to say, because if one should fall, the other can pick it up. But I would be willing to say, uh, but if the two can fall, if one can fall, two can pick him up. If it gets cold, the two can create body heat. But the reality is that when you are paired up with something or somebody, it presents these new outlook on life that you can jump into and that you can embrace, that you can run to, that you can accept, that is worthy of something that is exciting and that is fresh and it is new and it's rejuvenating versus sitting around with people who think the same way as you. And I think that's one of the dangerous places that social media has kind of done with the algorithms that they have now. They have created a space where you're only really exposed to people who think like you, people who only really say the things like you do. And when somebody creeps in that, that is in your network that doesn't think like you, we are programmed to see, perceive it as stupid. And we perceive it as stupid because everybody else around us in our circle thinks this way. And because they think this way, it must be correct. 
And that, you know, that, that's typically how it works in school when everybody seemed to be given one answer and you got a different answer. You typically didn't want to raise your hand and tell everybody about the answer you got because you assumed it was wrong. But every now and then you were right and everybody else was wrong. And so you have to embrace this idea that I'm different. I'm not going to agree with you all the time. Look, I am black. And I think sometimes it is expected that if I'm black, I'm going to always vote Democrat. If I'm black, I'm always going to do these things. I'm always going to like fried chicken, and I like fried chicken. But I don't always want fried chicken. If I'm black, I'm always going to know how to play cards. Y'all, I struggle to remember how to play the card games. Every time I play cards, you have to remind me what are the rules of this one. And it comes back to me each time, but I don't play cards that much or enough to know the difference. Uh, you know, I might play cards once or twice a year. And so for me... These norms and these uh, stereotypes are not always true. And now, yeah, I have voted Democrat in the last few, few elections, but I also voted a mixed ticket in the presidential election. Now, I didn't vote for Donald Trump, and I will not vote for Donald Trump. But that's not to say that some of my local officials, I didn't vote Republican, because I did. But I also voted Democrat. I voted for the best candidate that I felt was qualified. And it, regardless of who they represented or what color they wore, whether they were red or blue, or whether they were Republican or Democrat, whether they were elephant or donkey, I voted for who I felt like stood for what I believed in and how I felt. And, and, and I think that's what we ought to do. And I think we have to get out of this idea that I have to be a certain way or I'm not relevant. I have to be a certain way or I won't fit. If you don't fit, yippee. Get up and run and run circles around the place because you have value. And if you think that you don't have value because you don't fit, baby, you got to get some new mentors, get around some new people, because if everybody around you thinks the same way, how are you supposed to grow? You're not going to be exposed to anything. One of the first things that you learn in growth, the first way you grow is to be exposed. That's why babies come out the womb touching everything, looking at everything, staring at everything, because they're now exposed to something new. They want to touch it because if they can put it in their brain what that should feel like, it'll, it, it becomes clearer to them. They can begin to build precedents for what, if it looks like that, it smells like that, it must feel like X, Y, Z. But if you're never exposed to anything new, you're never going to grow. So my, my encouragement is, is don't get stuck in what should be. Embrace what you are. And if you will commit to embracing what you are and who you are, maybe, just maybe, you'll snap into something that is worthwhile. Now, and some people have this inability, it seems, to be authentic. I can remember in high school that if you didn't wear certain brands, they perceived you as poor. Until, of course, they saw your house. And for some people that worked and for some others it didn't. But if you, you know, mom and my mom and daddy didn't buy, you know, they bought us a few name brand things, but that didn't happen uh, because they are not keen on wasting money. And for some kids that uh, our feet grew faster than our hair did uh, and our, our bodies were, you know, we were always changing clothes and you're dogging things. And so they bought us nice things, but they didn't necessarily buy us astronomically expensive things until we, you know, we stopped growing which I can respect. I couldn't understand it then, but I understand it now. But the reality in that situation is that mama and daddy, it seemed like it, it, it felt like they hindered us, but actually they caused us to progress because I can remember my little sister coming home and she was no more than like six or seven years old. She said, daddy, why is it all the poor people have the expensive shoes? 
and all of all of the people that got money, because I know we got money. Why is it that they, we we don't have the nice stuff? I don't understand. And and my dad laughed and he said, "You have nice shoes. You just don't have the shoes that they have deemed nice for you." And that speaks so many volumes to me today because people have put an uh, 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 put this idea out there that if you don't have this, it's not nice. If it's not beats, it's irrelevant. Well, here at Newsflash, I prefer bows. If it's not a Mercedes, oh, you're just driving something weak. Well, Newsflash, I like Audi. I like Porsche. I like I like a Chevy, to be honest with you, in a truck. You know, and but but just because it doesn't fit in this idea that you think it should fit in, just because you're not driving the Lamborghini and just because your house doesn't have 10 bedrooms, they, it is deemed as if you're not living well. And that's a lie. It's a lie. And do not let people convince you that it's not. It's a lie. Different is good. Different is great. Embrace difference. Embrace, embrace these things. Because it is your differences that will carry you to the peak. It is your differences that will keep you there. It is your authenticity, your being real, that will take you there. And the other side of being authentic is, is being real with the people you interact with. You know, I, I've been talking about it on and off for, for the last few weeks, but in reality, when you are pursuing relationship, whether platonic or romantic, how you behave and how you speak and how you, you, you interact with people does matter, but the fact that you just be you is what's going to make the biggest impact. Yes, you can go and be um, sweet and you can be textbook, but if that is not who you are, it's going to fade. It's going to move. It's going to change. And so if you're not naturally chivalrous and you are overtly chivalrous in the beginning, toward the middle and the end of your relationship, the question is going to be, why did you change? Why are you not treating me like you were treating me? But if you come out the gate and you are real from the beginning and you show your cards and put them face up on the table, the reality is that people will either fall in love with who you are or they will not. And in the beginning, it may hurt that they didn't fall in love with who you were, but it's going to hurt a lot less than you falling in love with them and them falling out of love with you because now they see who you really are and that's a dangerous place to be it's a scary place to be do you really want to be in, in relationship with somebody who is not attracted to who you really are who doesn't like your feet who has a problem with the way that you bathe has a problem with the type of soap that you use somebody who, who hates the way that your voice sounds for real because you've been mask masking it somebody that's not okay or content with the fact that you wear weave somebody that has an issue with, with the fact that you you box your eyebrows or they don't like your eyelashes or the thing of the fact that you just you're different you know and 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 here's the reality is that a couple of weeks ago i started talking to somebody with whom I really wasn't a hundred percent into, but because I couldn't speak to who I wanted to speak to, I created a place for myself to go and talk to this person. Now, this was not my step by my standards, um, marriage material. This was not like, who, this is the one this was, I'm holding a space. And yes, I realized I was putting my, my hands on another man's future. And I'm, I'm so sorry. That is not who I like to be and who I want to be. I'm working on these things. I'm a work in progress, just like you're a work in progress. But I had I put myself in this situation, and it seemed like the more we spent time together, the more I realized that this was not for me. I need to take my hand off this man's destiny. I need to take my hands off of this situation because as long as my hands are on this person's destiny, 
As long as my hands are sitting here, I'm impeding whomever they are trying to enter relationship with or whoever is destined for them because it's obvious we're not supposed to be together. Every sign is pointing, no, get up out of Dodge. Every sign is saying, run, Forrest, run. But I'm still holding on because I'm lonely. How many times do we move and mold ourselves to fit into somebody's idea of what we should be because we're lonely? We begin to mold ourselves and we begin to prod ourselves, we begin to accept things we would never accept if they were flocking. Things we would never accept if this was the one. Things that we already have put the cards on the table for if we were being completely honest, but we don't because we don't want to be alone. Because we feel like nobody wants us at this moment, and so I've got to go ahead and put out there what it really is for me. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. I'm going to tell you a story. I have an uncle. I love this uncle. I have an uncle who was married to his first wife. His first wife took ill and passed away. And he was at a bar one night. And while he was sitting at the bar, um, he saw this woman he liked. Oh, man, she was beautiful. So he told the, uh, the, the bartender to send a drink over her way and send his phone number, meet me here tomorrow. Well, the friend intercepted the, uh, the note and showed up. Well, the friend was a booger bear. And so he shows up, sees she's sitting there, and continues on with the date because he's polite. He's a very chivalrous man. Well, one date turns into 10, which turns into a year or two, and now he feels compelled to marry this woman. Now, I, I love my uncle, but it couldn't have been me. But he, he marries this woman and has been married to this woman for some time, has child, grandchildren, and is miserable. And this was less than a great person, like uh, less than a great person, but is miserable because he was okay with being with a placeholder out of fear of hurting her feelings. Sometimes in being authentic, you have to put some, you put people's feelings in regard, but sometimes you have to pick up your own and say, okay, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this for me. I can't be in relationship with you because it's going to impede relationships to come for me. And see, my life and my walk is so important. My future, my destiny is so important to me that I have to protect it with all that I have. So I've got to be real with you. I'm sorry. I'm glad that you like me and I'm sorry things got lost in communication, but even, but because things got lost in communication, I've got to clear some things up. I've got to make it clear that I'm not interested here to go any further with you. And so the reality is, is that you have to be okay with hurting some feelings and not hurting feelings in a malicious way, not, not being vitriolic, not going the, not going for low blows, but putting things out there and being real and being frank and being honest. I do want you. I don't want you. I do like you. I don't like you. You know, I really don't know how I feel. Let's see how it goes because there's something about you that I like, but I'm not sure. You have to become a master at saying what you're thinking because one thing I've noticed is that we don't like to say things if we think they're going to offend somebody. And I think to some avail, that's good, but to some other avail, that's dangerous. If you can't tell the truth about some things, if you can't tell the truth about what you're feeling, about what you're seeing and all these things, and you leave people out in the balance, they're, they're inclined to believe that things are okay. 
And if they think that things are okay, they'll continue investing in the relationship. They'll continue tying themselves to you. They'll continue intermingling and intertwining these ideas into you. And before you know it, they've built in their minds a future that you have already deemed impossible to happen. And before you know it, they'll begin to teach you or convince you that this future that they've built in their mind is okay. And before you know it, your destiny is so far off track that you're 30, 40 years behind. And you're like, oh my God, how did I get here? I'll tell you how you got here. You got here because you were afraid to tell the truth. I, one of the things lately, and I had one of the hardest conversations I have ever had, and I was not even successful. I ended up having to write down after the conversation what I really wanted to say because I had issues getting it out, and so I do realize it is difficult. But one of the things that I have realized here in the last few months is that I have never regretted telling the truth. In all of this time, in, in all of these years, I have never regretted telling the truth. I've regretted telling a lie. I've regretted hiding some things. I've regret, regretted repressing some things. I've regretted doing some things, going some places. But I have never in my life regretted telling the truth. I hate, sometimes I hate the circumstances that the truth brings. Sometimes I hate that I, I gauge the situation wrong, but at no point have I ever regretted telling the truth. Why, Reverend Kojo, have you not regretted telling the truth? I have not regretted telling the truth because when I tell the truth, my cards are on the table. Nothing is left to interpretation. When I tell the truth, if it does not cause an outcome that I want, yeah, it sucks, but I've not wasted more time. When I tell the truth, I'm going to usually truth begets truth. Now, it's, that's not always a tr the case because I've seen it work both ways. But when you commit to being 100% honest and you commit to being honest, living the truth and telling the truth because there's, they're two different. You can tell the truth but not be living the truth. You can tell, you can let the truth come out of your mouth, but the truth that comes out of your mouth may not align with your, option, your, your, your actions. And then that's almost as bad as telling a lie. And so I can say I love you all day long. And, and it may be the sentiments of my heart. It may be the thing, you may be the thing that I think about all day long. I may not be able to wash the dishes without thinking about you, but if I do not put that back there with actions, if I'm not taking care of you, if I'm not calling you, if I'm not doing the things that you do with people who, with whom you're in love with, and that's not even vile, vulgar things. That is the, the intimate things. The in, and that's intimacy without sex. Let me just go ahead and be frank. That's intimacy without sex. Sex does not determine whether you're in love with somebody or not. But I digress. But if, if I'm not doing the things that would suggest that I'm in love, but I say that I love you, that's just as bad as telling a lie. You know, I was thinking some time ago, how do you, how do you love somebody and cheat? And to this day, I still don't understand it. And I've counseled a number of people who have done that and say that they still love the person they're with and they still have deep feelings and deep emotions and deep relationships and all of this stuff. And they really, really desire to be in a relationship with this person. They just don't know what came over them and they had issues and all of this stuff. I don't understand though how you truly love. I mean, be in love with somebody. I mean, your heart beats and you just love this person and, and all you can do is think about them. I don't understand how you can be in love with somebody and cheat. How? Somebody help me. I don't understand. How do, are you in love? 
You know, because when you're in love with somebody, you begin to preserve. You know, leave it to me. I fall in love. I go start taking jujitsu classes so I can be a protector. I fall in love with somebody. Um, I start thinking about, well, what, what can I provide? What can I do for you? How can I help you here? Because love, the Bible says, always preserves and it protects. Love is indeed patient and it is indeed kind. And so when, when we talk about love, these things are not preserving. These things are not patient. They are not kind. They are in, envious. They're envious of what somebody else has or what somebody else is doing. But they don't fit the mold of what love should be and could be. And so when we commit to this idea that when I'm going to, when I live, I'm going to be authentic and my authentic does not mean rude, but when I live, I'm going to be authentic. When I love, I'm going to be authentic. When I give, I'm going to be authentic. When we commit to being authentic, we can commit to living our best lives. I'm so glad you decided to join us here today. I'm so, I hope you received something. I hope that you're working on not having authenticity deficit disorder. Now look, check out reverendkojo.com. There's plenty of wisdom, plenty of adventures, plenty of stuff there. The website is growing daily. Um, just keep your eyes peeled. All of my most recent projects are there. You do not want to miss any of it. I want you to be involved. I want you to come check out some of my retreats. I want you to come check out some of my books. Get a copy of Pregnant with Possibility. I am convinced you are full of possibility. You've just got to figure out what it's time to birth. If you hadn't read College of the Pit, Craving the Pit, it is another great one. God changed my entire existence while writing that book. And I would recommend that you get it. If, you are, if you're struggling with some things or you don't know you're struggling with some things, you know, it has helped some people uncover those things. You want to read these books. Um, as always, ReverendKojo.com is my website. Want to learn some about me? Head there. I'm trying to be as vulnerable as possible, but you know it is a process, so trust the process. Be blessed.